Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. If someone were afraid of the dentist, maybe they haven't been in a long time, maybe they're embarrassed because they haven't been in a while, I feel like this would be a really safe place for them to go and get the care that they need. At Advanced Dentistry, we get it. If you've been avoiding the dentist because of fear, worry, or just not wanting to be judged, if you want to learn how IV sedation can change your life, visit NoFearDentist.com. And now, it's time for Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast. Hey there, listeners. <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey, you. That's how I say hi to people whose names I don't remember. <laughs> hey, and welcome to Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Jesse Gaskell. And do you remember who I am? <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey you're there. My you? Hey, yay. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to save you the embarrassment. I'm Mike Sweeney. I'm a writer on Conan. Thank you. I'm a writer on Conan. Get out of here. I oh. should know you. Yeah. Or we were writers on Conan because we there's no Conan right Conan. now. But, you know. I mean, Conan the man still exists. Yes. Conan the yes, show. Yes, yes, yes. Probably at least seven Conans worldwide. <laughs> uh, yeah. So how are you? I'm good. Yeah. Have you been? Hey. Yeah. I have to ask. Have you been swimming? I have been swimming. Yes. Oh, good. Again, the pressure of mentioning that I was going to train for a uh, mile and a half open water swim <laughs> on the podcast. That's seven people that could bring additional pressure to bear on me. So I've been swimming. Yeah. I mean, that's the only way that I ever get anything done is just the fear of... Well, then what is it you've been putting off? <laughs> what should I commit that, to? Yes, mm. I'd love it if you'd commit to something right now. <laughs> Calling my insurance company. Oh, <laughs> home or auto? Per, it's a personal oh, insurance claim. Oh, I'm so claim. sorry. I didn't even yes. think of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, don't... Oh, oh, yeah. and you've got to get into it. I know. Well, you know what? I've been dealing with auto insurance. Oh. And what I have discovered, because someone T-boned my car. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Don't worry, I'm okay. Oh, that's crazy. Where were you? Well, I was on the road driving, so it's not that unusual. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm totally fine. And, and it wasn't my fault, which is all I care about. I know. That is all that matters. Yes. Like, if I lost, you know, two limbs, I'd be like, hey, as long as it wasn't my fault. Yeah, but as long as my rates don't go exactly. up. Exactly. Yeah. But anyway, so you have committed to getting in touch yeah. with your, your insurance company. <laughs> well, good luck with that. I hope that works Thank out. Thank you. I'll keep you posted. Yes. Oh, I was going to tell you, yeah. I did a kind of swimming. Yeah. I didn't swim. You took a bath? Exactly, but I did a float. Oh, what do you mean you did a float? There's a place. Yeah. I don't know if you remember on the show, uh, one of the editors, Matt Shaw, yes. used to talk about this place in Pasadena that where you can go float. <laughs> yeah. It's like a hyperbaric chamber. Oh, okay. They have these rooms and the water is super extra salinated. Uh -huh. So, so uh, you're, you, you're on top. Yeah. And you are weightless in there and they turn the lights off and you're in there for an hour and you just float in there with no sensory wow. uh, distractions. Yeah. It's kind of like living in Pasadena. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I was just in the Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> no, it, it was. It's really cool, but it's it's a weird. It's a weird feeling. You kind of feel like you're in a, a womb or something. Did you like it? Yeah, I think I liked it. Was it therapeutic in some way or did you? Yeah, I mean, it, well, it was your, the initial difficulty is getting over just your mind racing and you're, right. you're alone with your thoughts. And that part is terrifying being, to me. You're supposed to be in the moment probably, right? Kind of like yeah. meditating. And they tell you like, oh, you can count, you know, count to a hundred. Right which I think I did 80 times. Did you have to worry about falling asleep and drowning? No, no. And you have, they have, they give you like a little floaty pillow that you put okay. your head on. I actually think I did fall asleep for a little oh. bit of it. And that was that nice. That sounds really nice. Yeah. I mean, by the end, I was really into it. Well, hey, should we start the show? Yeah. <laughs> now that our audience has been lulled oh, into man. a hyperbaric sleep. Starter show. We have to wind it up. <laughs> Sorry, today's guest. We'll talk to you next week. Great late night writer, Tommy Blacha. I'm so excited to have Tommy on as a guest because he's, he's kind of legendary. I, I will yeah, say a legendary he's a character. late night writer. Yeah, he, he had a lot of the, some of the most famous sketches. Um, and he even performed often too, uh, yes. for instance, as yes. the gaseous wiener. And he was a force of nature in the writer's room that... Yeah. He would just take over the room and reduce everyone to giggles. To tears. And, you know, that was a tough crowd to get on a roll, but he oh my he gosh. was a master. He was just really, he's the funniest. Yeah, he's really fun. And has had an in interesting career since yes. late night, too. Before and after. Really, really interesting. Yeah, he created Metalocalypse yes. on Adult Swim, and he's worked... On professional wrestling. He worked for and WWE right after he... The Ali G show. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let him talk about it. Here's Tommy Blacha. Ladies and gentlemen, our guest today, this is a gentleman who started work, I think, in the spring of 1995 Ooh. and was there for some of the great years yeah. of comedy. Me, you, Ernie Kovacs. That's Cohen. right. <laughs> Ed Sullivan would drop by. And uh, <laughs> he's an incredibly hilarious guy. We're... So lucky we snagged him because he's elusive. Always hard to track down. Enigmatic. Yes. Please welcome Tommy Blacha. Hi, Tommy. Yay. Hey, Tommy. Oh, so lucky I have a computer and a microphone. Ah. What are the odds? <laughs> well, you've never connected them until now. Yeah, till today. Yeah. Tommy, I've never met you, but I've heard your name said in in hushed, reverent tones around Ooh. the office for a long time. Yes. It's, yes. It's always like, oh, that... Oh, Tommy Blacha. People would get like a glazed over look in their eyes. That was Tommy Blacha. <laughs> he was the one who used to throw uh, sandwiches up in the drop ceiling and then the mice would come. Yeah, wait, I did hear about this. You used to throw sandwiches yeah. into the, like up in the rafters. Yeah, occasionally there was a drop ceiling. Right. And then, then mice would come, in which Brian McCann would do the funniest bit I've ever seen because we'd have a big thing of, of muffins. <laughs> and there would be a mice, mouse in the corner, and then McCann would do his, like, you know, uh, just, you know, incredibly stupid character. And he would take a muffin, and he would whip it at the mouse, and the muffin would explode into a million crumbs, and he'd go, oh, why do we have mice? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just the best. Yep. Brian, Brian McCann, of course, was... Another legendary writer on the show. And then Groff would try to say, can we put that on the show somehow? We're like, oh, <laughs> of course. Explain, there's mice and we'd have to do, it's too much. He was the head writer. Of course, he was just like desperate to fill, what do we do tomorrow? 
The mice, the mice pit. <laughs> the muffin mouse. I remember you threw, we'd eat dinner every night before we had to go back to work. And you, yeah, there were missing tiles in the ceiling. And one night you just threw food up there. And I swear all the other writers were like, we can, we can, we can throw that? food up in the ceiling. <laughs> and everyone started like throwing food up. Oh. Like they were just waiting for someone to break the seal. Tiles oh, started yeah. sagging from the weight of the food that we threw yeah. up there. I, yeah. I, I swear. So Not proud, but it's really funny. Yeah. Wouldn't we go up and check on stuff that... We threw this cranberry sauce up there three months ago. Let's see how it's doing. Yeah, I'm thinking, I remember like whole burritos and things of that <laughs> nature. <laughs> and then mice did come. We literally did have mice running all over the yeah, one room where it was we pretty ate. good. <laughs> God, I remember, uh, God, Andy used to have a stack of his eight by tens, and uh, someone was up there. I I can't remember. Just someone from. NBC or something, and I just said like, "Yeah, I'm the Andy's PR guy," and he, they, they were all autographed, and I would just open the window and like toss out like forty eight by tens out into the you know the eleven out into Manhattan, just flying and like it's a grassroots campaign. <laughs> that was fun too. One time was late, and I was pushing someone in a trash can, or I was being pushed in a trash can, one of those big trash cans. Right. Went around the, into the elevator banks, and who was doing a little tour of the um, the floor was Bob Wright, who is the, <laughs> this, the CEO of General Electric. So this is one of the, like the top six, you know, guys, you know. In the country. In corporate America at the time. Literally, the CEO. Of, they want a tour. In the world. Yeah. Not NBC. General Electric. It's like, yeah. okay, what show's going on? What <laughs> nuclear missiles being made? Uh, you know, just one of, you know, a huge guy. And it, it was just kind of like these hijinks around the corner. Whoa. And then like, look at it, it's Bob Wright. And then that glance. And then I, that's when I realized, like, Bob Wright's right-hand man, what is this nonsense? Well, these are writers. They're, they're paid to have their minds wander and be fucking goofy because they, <laughs> they're, they, they're profit because they're in late-night comedy. So that's a profit area. So they're doing their job. <laughs> Very well. Carry on. You know, <laughs> if I was an accountant, yeah, get him. You know, he's fired. But, and so. GE makes garbage cans. <laughs> I'd love to go back oh. to the beginning of your time on the show, Tommy. Um, how did you hear about the show? How did you end up? writing for the show well basically i was uh, andy richter's roommate in chicago in in, in college and then he <laughs> that's where all the writers came from yeah, yeah that's where all the you know it was a revolving door he had so many roommates like he like you know how he got hired through going to new york and doing something whatever and uh and then he's like yeah they're, they're putting me on tv on this show yeah, that's my andy Richter. <laughs> and then like oh cool then you want you want to like submit so i submitted a package before the show even started uh -huh. and then uh you know then i saw the show and was like okay there's that or whatever and then yeah then i was happily in chicago still like um struggling with a creative career, but really succeeding at selling weed. So I was just like, happy-go-lucky weirdo. Perfect training. And then about a year or so into it, um, Marsh McCall uh, hired me. So He was uh, the head writer, yeah, at the time. In fact, it was, it, was, it was amazing. It was the most amazing day because I really was like depressed over like, man, 
I can't just sell weed for my, you know, <laughs> life. I mean, I can. But I can get yeah, more for it in New York City. <laughs> well, you know, when you make like you're in Chicago and you make like forty grand a year tax free, and like you're living in this, it's just like, well, I'm, you know, here's my soccer team I'm playing on, and you know, just plus free weed. Yeah, everything's great. So I actually stopped smoking weed and became even a better weed dealer because I was like, <laughs> kind of like, I can't smoke weed all the time. Anyways, I was struggling <laughs> with stuff, and then I tried to make this independent movie with my friend, and which means nothing now, but in '95, like you're making in a movie now like every you know idiot like you know makes movies because of the technology whatever so the whole thing fell apart and it was like so depressing and i was and i i it it happened and then an hour later i got a call it says like andy said like i want to hire you and i my depression just like evap like vanished i was like Fuck this whole thing! This whole fucking thing fell apart. I've been working on it. God damn it! What am I gonna do? I'm gonna go back to grad oh, school. Yeah. Hello. Oh, oh then, never it, mind. And then, yeah, just just moved, and <laughs> the rest was history, as I say. I never knew you had a. You went to film school and had all that background that you brought. Yeah. To the show, but that makes sense because a you, lot of background. A lot of the background, show, dude. <laughs> With the pot dealing, uh, but, and but that makes sense because you got right into kind of shooting a lot of distinctive stuff for the show right away. It was, it was tough. I'll tell you. Cause I got in, I was kind of like, Oh, Hey, I'm a resident weirdo. Eh, Andy's pal. But then this kind of like, you know, there was a pressure and a pace to that show. And then like, here's these kind of jokes and like, I don't really write jokes. <laughs> okay. Well, what are you going to do? I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> you know, so the, the first, you know, 10 weeks or so You're we're right. kind of like, Oh, this is, this is kind of tough. So there's a couple of things I, I glommed onto. One was actual items. I remember, right. which mm-hmm. was the funnest fucking job ever. Cause you'd get newspapers from, all over the country, Sunday papers, and you just got to go in your office and and look at all the weird ads, and then like graphically think of things to put in, you know, into the ads to make them bizarre. Right, ad jokes. And that was just straight pleasurable, like thing. There's no, for, and it kind of was in my mentality, so that was good. Right. And then I remember doing different directors uh, have directed the show, and then asking like, "Hey, can we get a special effects where Andy gets shot and his chest goes out with blood?" And like, and I think that people didn't really ask for that kind of like, "Yeah, I think we could." And then we actually did it and it was like like really huge and exciting, so it's kind of opened up weird video things. Yeah. And so, yeah, that was the first foray into into that stuff. Right. You know. Yeah. It was weird because there was one thing that I didn't do, but I just glommed onto it and said, "This is the greatest thing ever," which was satellite TV. Right. Which was these weird, in a time cable TV was getting big, but you had just dumb things like the Who's There channel and just showed a door with just like knocking, Who's There? And then that's weird. And next, you know, just these absurd things that were nods to public access or whatever, just so imaginative and really short or weird and just, it was done. And then it was kind of like, well, that's done. And I was like, can't we do that every week? Right. (laughs) You know, so, (laughs) and so that was something I, I, I didn't come up with, but I certainly like resurrected and kind of said like, yeah, do those. And that was the great, that was when the job was the greatest. Cause you'd, you'd have that on Friday. So you'd be in charge of it. And then you, there was such a team cause you get, Hey everyone, give me some ideas and right. you'd go produce mm-hmm. them. And there was an incredible camaraderie that you don't find <laughs> when you leave a show like that and you go to a sitcom, like, well, let's, let's kick that idea around till it, comes from the showrunner and then it'll be in you know and just just horrible fucking shit like that instead of like 
this like, hey, it's a team. Let's all just go I've make got an it. ending for you. And, yeah. You know, this I'll this, help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. I'll help. Because you're gonna help me tomorrow when I when I'm up against the wall. <laughs> no, it's it's true because you'd be you'd be so burnt, but then sometimes you'd just give an ending to something and like, oh, you know, I right. I did it. It's yes. Oh my God. Like when you're in a writer's room for and and you're like, I haven't said anything that anyone's mm-hmm. liked in yeah. five weeks. No, like in you know, and an, then you pitch an, an ending and you're you're set for another yeah, five God. weeks. I can coast another five <laughs> weeks. That was an early thing too. I remember was like, I don't know who it was. There was an idea of like how Conan met the band. And it was like, right. okay, here's the beats and shit, it's on tomorrow. And right. oh fuck, this isn't really working. And like, how did he meet Max? And right. I remember coming up with like, that was an early thing too. How about Conan's making love to a woman on a bed. Always a good idea. That'll get his attention. <laughs> <laughs> That's how to get it on the show. Conan, yeah, we need exactly. you to do a pre-tape. <laughs> yeah. Then Lauren Michaels comes in and says, well, my daughter. And, uh, no. but, uh, <laughs> and he peels off the bed, uh, uh, you know, he, he like peels off the bed and goes underneath. And then like a, a like you hear some like guy coming in like, you're messing around with someone like, no, 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 Bruno, whatever. And then right. they get on the bed and it starts going up and down. But you pull the camera back and then, Max Weinberg was under there. So the conceit uh, being like, oh, Max Weinberg was sleeping was with someone first. who had to hide when Conan came in, yeah. who had to hide when the husband came in. And it just, and it just, it, but it was an ending. Right. And that's when I realized like, oh God, the ending's everything. Mm-hmm. You gotta, you know what I mean? I yes. didn't even realize that about live, sh- or that, that structure at that time, you know, and, the, and kind of writing like, oh God, get that ending. Like oh, the ending, they're up and right. hey, we'll be right back. Right. Yeah. Oh, phew. You know, Endings like would save sketches all the time. It is, of course, if there's a big laugh on the end, you're, you're golden. But if it's funny all the way through and then it just peters out at the end, it, yep. you might be in trouble. You need a Absolutely. laugh big enough so that the head writer standing behind the podium can hit the applause button <laughs> and you have to time it just so the laugh can segue perfectly into the pl- applause. Yep. Yeah. My favorite was when the ending just sat there. Yeah. The, you'd still, all of a sudden the crowd's applauding and you're just like, oh yeah. boy. <laughs> I know. Very natural. Important. Yeah. Is that, is that the end? <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we got seven beats. We've thrown four of them out there. Right. Oh, is there going to be another one? No, just end. <laughs> I see that in the advertising world, like some ad campaign that yeah. has like a funny, you know, set piece idea, whatever. And yeah. then like, oh, that was good. And then they'll have a next, like the, their next series aren't as good. And you know, like, oh, right. they can't do that. You can't go back. Mm-hmm. Now your beats are shittier than the first right, ones. But, right. but, we, but we still love it. It's, but it's the We did that all nope. the time. Like we'd have a beat that, something that killed. And then it became kind of a, it was almost torturing the writer. Like you have that glow of like, ah, oh, everyone loved it. I, yeah. Everyone loves me. And then it's like, uh, do it again in two days. And you're like, oh. no, I, I had that with the weird, um, oh, what was it? Inappropriate thing with stack. Mm-hmm. Right. It's Clive Clemens inappropriate response channel, which was the satellite TV channel. Right. And it was like, that's oh, that's so good. You got to bring it back on its own. Uh, really? And then like just uh, on its own, like yeah, weird. What is this stuck in? And like, mm, I guess, that, well, thanks for taking the sheen off. the. Uh, <laughs> 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 it's kind of like a football play. Like what a great trick play. Right. Do it again. Do it again. Right. Fumble. Oh. Oh, no, no, <laughs> it was never good. There's stuff like for anniversary shows and stuff where, you know, you're going through old clips and it, yeah, like the the first time we did something is, it's great. And then like my brain's kind of like, I 
could have swore we did that a few more times. What, I, like, I should check those out. Diminishing returns. <laughs> People have to, like, dig it up from, yeah, oh, yeah. and it's buried somewhere. And then you watch them and you're just like, oh, okay. Because <laughs> there's some, you realize, like, oh my God, there's been 20,000 yeah. comedy bits done in late night comedy. And then it's, it's half that. That's, wow, you're performing. That's good. It's funny. And then it's like, a slot has been filled and we need to fill more slots. <laughs> that pressure, yeah. like, so, yeah. so, you know, more, more. Oh, take it easy. No. <laughs> And sometimes you think, like, has anyone ever done this bit? Right. Huh, that's weird. You know, like, uh, I think it was you and a and a another person who were like twins saying things at the oh same my time. God, it but was you were McCann and I. Yeah, we did. You, you know, here we'll do it right now. We are psychically connected, connected to each, each other. other. <laughs> it's really crazy <laughs> somehow McCann and I started doing that in, in the writer's room and, and, and Groff again Groff's like let's put that on the show put it on the show and anything <laughs> funny oh I hit my leg put it on the show <laughs> <laughs> so I, and then we were it was going to be on the show the next day and we were like oh man this is people are gonna uh, the, the writers loved it imagine everyone else saying uh, it on TV. well do you remember what everyone did yes what? well you you tell it so I think it was Bob and Ray some old time honored yes comedy duo had done this years ago yes someone found a clip yes so Brian and Mike were down there rehearsing it and then they played the clip of Bob and Ray doing it like in the 60s or something oh, and yes like, oh that's what we're doing <laughs> yes it was the biggest yeah. is the, the greatest talkie twins or something. I we think were the was, talkie right? twins. They were coming on as yeah. the talkie twins. And was it Andy Blitz? Someone knew that this was a Bob and Ray bit. I forget who. Uh, let's say it was Andy Blitz. Give throw the dog a bone. Yeah, man. <laughs> oh, he gets enough credit. And so then everyone mobilized. They were so excited that they had us by the balls that they they designed an elaborate wardrobe for us that matched <laughs> yeah, with, with straw hats. So we, so when we sat on the couch to rehearse this, we looked like the biggest jackass, like just incredible jackasses. <laughs> and, and, and you had like costumes on. We had stuff. costumes. We were ready to do the talkie twins. And then Conan just goes, goes, Oh, uh, can we just watch something on the monitor first? And they showed the Bob and Ray clip of the exact thing we were about to do. And we we're, that's just, what I loved about Conan. He reminded me of like, after I went and worked for professional wrestling and there was a similar thing, like no matter right. how much pressure you were under, no matter how much, and right. then, believe me, that was pressure. Like pay-per-view starts at 6 PM, $35 million buy rate. Everything has to be, you say what you wow. will about the content, but, but you always right. had time to fucking pull a rib or joke about something. No matter what, we need to get this shit done. I know, but so-and-so thinks this and they're going to be, Oh, well, fuck, we got to do that <laughs> you know, at all costs. <laughs> yeah. You know, if it delays you, if it adds more, do the joke, fuck the people. Yeah, that's, you know, and Conan mm -hmm. has that too. Like, in fact, one of my favorite memories ever, which made me just love everyone there was, remember, we, if it was someone's birthday, they'd have bagels, right? Okay, that's, someone's, that, that's reasonable. No no cakes yes. and bullshit. But then when it was right. Conan or Jeff Ross's birthday, there was... It was Jeff Ross's birthday. Right. Then there's bagels. Oh, and we'd have a meeting in the conference room. In the conference morning. room. The morning like, production yeah. meeting. Mm. So we got all like, you know, high and mighty, like, well, what the fuck? How come Jeff Ross gets... Uh, what kind of like hierarchical bullshit is this? He gets salmon and fruit and uh, everyone else just gets bagels. <laughs> so then we're like... We were just talking, like, who's lowest on the totem pole? It was Mike Hammocky. And I think it was Co Greg Cohen and I started, like, let's fucking, 
let's order a thing for his breakfast, with, you know, for his birthday, which was two days. Right. And then we went to Tracy. She's like, well, don't spend more than $1,000. And we're like, what? <laughs> so we ordered like an omelet station and a banner through the building yes. and all this stuff. For, and I remember there was something happening that day. It was kind of tense and, and Conan and, and people were coming like, I Bob sm- Wright was in the building. I smell, uh, yeah, I smell waffles. Well, there's an omelet station. And then Hammocky came in with his backpack and was like, happy birthday, Mike Hammocky. And then like, and it never, you can never joke on Jeff Ross. He's like, what's this all about? And I'm like, well, we thought since you get fucking salmon and that's unfair, we ordered all this for right. him. And he's like, all right, oh, it's almost station. Then he's like, man, joke never works on him. You know, <laughs> he doesn't give a shit. <laughs> I think he was like, oh, this, that, that was a good, yeah. that, that was a good, yeah, one. that's the most Which for him. Pretty good joke. Yeah. For him, that's him doubled over losing oxygen. I'll never forget once, uh, he was practicing his golf swing and McCann was in his office going like, you know, I could produce the show trying to like, you know, needle him about something like right, it ain't right. so hard. And then <laughs> Jeff Ross right. was just like doing like a golf, like, <laughs> and he goes, huh? <laughs> McCann just like, never mind. It's just like, <laughs> you try to joke on him, but he's thinking about his golf swing right now. Right. You're not going to get him. Yeah. You're not going to get him. <laughs> and that was before they invented the cell phone. <laughs> yep. I know. I try now. Oh my God. Do you know what I was thinking about just during this conversation that came into my head, they probably haven't thought in yeah. decades was remember we were working on something. So sometimes I'll sing it. I'll think of it. Yeah. Like the David Bowie, the worst David Bowie medley of all time. Oh, right. Right. <laughs> we were going to do some bit and then we just never, but I, I do remember it. <laughs> I remember it was, um, wait, it was like, let's dance. Put on your red shoes and scary monsters and super freaks with gasoline. <laughs> we were just taking the worst unmelodic parts of Bowie right. songs and we were working on a a medley that never happened. One of the greatest things that Mid, ever mid career yeah, never happened. Disco border Bowie. Because we'd have remember we'd be with like gasoline. <laughs> We'd occasionally go like, we got to go work on that. And then we'd work on it and then we wouldn't. And then like three weeks later, you know, we got to work on that thing. Yeah, let's work on it. I mean, Bowie keeps calling the show yeah. saying, when when are you going to do that bit with me? <laughs> oh, so funny. No, we used to stand behind Michael Gordon, a writer, and sing the medley. Yep. Blasted into his ear. Yep. It's very productive. Pretty much, pretty much it. Well, <laughs> it's like if a nerd's got a frat house. I know is what it sounds like. No, it was begrudgingly because everyone would say that. Just it's like if, a frat house. Well, fuck you, and then like look out, <laughs> <laughs> throwing food. <laughs> there was like yeah. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the seventies. 1975, to be exact, with semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch. It's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie, and fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. 
Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. You mentioned Clive Clevens, uh, which was played by Brian Stack, who said when he saw himself do that, he he like immediately lost 30 pounds. <laughs> no, because I remember talking him into it and he's like, uh, shouldn't you do it or something? I'm like, no, it's got to be like an English pasty, you know, drank too much <laughs> ginger with a big red, right. you know, that's that kind of vibe, you know, new right. wave of British heavy metal, pasty, drinks too much, ginger. <laughs> uh, did you ever get recognized out in... New York for <laughs> appearing on the show. Yeah. And uh, well, actually fucking used to play this character called the gaseous wiener. It was so, yeah. It, it reminded yeah. me of that Simpsons episode where the kid just says like, I don't know. And then everyone loves it. And you're like, fucking why? I remember coming in <laughs> and I think it was McCann, someone, and I had the flu and I came in and someone said like, Hey, can you play like a farting hot dog in this like great mascots thing? And then like, you know, everyone's a team player. Like, sure. So then it was like, Okay, there's going to be a song, I guess, and then it just goes, dun, 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 and you fart and dance with it. No, anything other than that. Right. Crummy foam rubbery costume, and like, I don't know, wear these like ballet shoes. And so I did it, and then everyone's like, oh my God, that's hilarious. You got to come back. <laughs> and, and there was actually the, the Globe, I think it was, like a crummy inquirer, actually interviewed my parents <laughs> and like weird. Oh my God. It, 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 it was its own. Were there signs? Well, you know, it was an easy thing. We're like, here to give, like an act three, here to give the card for right. next week's guest. And it'd be like, and there was always something would fall apart. And like, they need you downstairs. And then I'd look and I'd see, oh, that fucking hot dog costumes in the fucking hallway. Like, God damn it. And I'd have to go down and like, and it wouldn't say anything. And I'd just kind of make a disgruntled face. Right. And everyone's like, oh my God, this is the greatest. I'm like, I don't fucking, I, I really don't know why. The disgruntlement was real. It wasn't acting. Yeah. You were the go-to when things crashed and burned for the middle show comedy Yeah, piece. for about like two years there. And yes. well, one time I was actually in a, a famous crummy, like uh, Billy's Topless, uh, like with Richter, like uh, down on Sixth Avenue. It was like a, it was like a topless bar, but it was just a like grungy bar. And there was just some big biker weirdo that like looked at me all drunk and he said, Hey, you're that fucking hot dog, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Elizabeth Berkeley expressed her love for the gaseous wiener <gasps> once oh. a lot. Oh. And she, like she said, okay. you know, I mean, you don't get it. I mean, I really love you. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh boy. So that that was exciting. That was that was probably the best. Yeah, recognized. that's really fun. Yeah, you're that fucking hot dog, aren't you? <laughs> and he was he still was on the fence of whether it was, like, was that is that friendly, right? <laughs> I don't know yet. <laughs> you know, but uh. I watched an old one, and I you came out to promote the fifth anniversary show, which is was I think it said it's going to be on September sixteenth, and here to make you remember the Conan goes here to remember you the, remember that date is that Gaseous Wiener, and you come out and you you fart sixteen times, and it it goes on for like three minutes, and at the end, so like I forgot, like he does not love. Like when push comes to shove, he doesn't love scatological comedy that much. And I think I know, I, that's why I was surprised to see 
so much of it. <laughs> well, you know what? We, it was like it was the emergency lover. It was like a so yeah, many yeah, times. It was like a crowd pleaser. It really was like the, the mom that loved said, it. "Like, just give the fucking kids pizza." Fuck it. I know it's not nutritious, but fuck it. Yeah, you know. Again, I'm busy. Just right. Yeah, just order pizza for him again. (laughs) I don't know. I hope maybe some of that was the the uh, charm of it. Was like, I think that guy's face isn't registering. Like he's not really into it either. Yeah. No. You. (laughs) Yeah. I remember the fifteenth time. You're just like, I fucking hate this so much. I just. I I pass by you in the airlock, just about to go out, and you'd be like, Oh my god. That is, it's one of those be careful what you wish for scenarios of like, oh, I'd love to have a recurring bit on the show, but it's going to be this. But, you know, it was was low maintenance, put it that way. It was just like get in the thing and and get out. So that that was fun about it. But um, there was a big extended one, too. That was a mistake. I think there was a gaseous wiener in Death of a Salesman or some fucking shit with a big... Oh, I don't remember that. (laughs) Yeah, there was something and I was just like, okay. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's like the P, the the Peter principle of comedy. Like, oh, we know. Okay, we we can't go that far. Pull it back. Right. <laughs> one right, right, one right. past yeah. its capability. <laughs> Who would guess ten minutes of this character wouldn't wear well? Were there characters that you wrote that you enjoyed playing, or that you got you know were into more? <laughs> yeah, actually, I, I kind of learned as an actor like the things like oh, I, sh- I should always be like a monster or someone a subverbal. Mm. That's kind of my forte. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I remember playing like uh, the the shirtless moron that was like fun. Just right, and that that came out of like. We were out doing a bit on the street and was like, shit, we don't have enough. Like, I'll just be a street weirdo, come up and do it. And then like, again, that's good. And then, yeah, there there was always like such fun stuff that like, I remember moments like we did some kind of Olympic tuba race. So it was me, maybe McCann. We had those like, Mm. remember those stretchy Olympic kind of singlets on? And yeah. then we were like racing with tubas <laughs> and then we put in the tubas. So, so when you do something like that, it's like, okay, the van's going to pick you up and you're doing a bunch of beats. So you're, you're out there with Nipsey Russell and a hot day right. underneath some bleachers somewhere in some high school in New Jersey, listen to Nipsey right. Russell wax poetic about old stuff. And it was like fabulous. You know, those days were like incredible. Then just like, okay, run with a tuba and then like come back in the van. <laughs> like one day, I think it was a satellite TV. I played the cupcake cowboy. <laughs> so it was just like a oh, yeah. a guy on a horse that would like go into a bakery and lasso a cupcake and pull it towards him. And then, <laughs> then he'd have the cupcake and then he'd, he'd go down Central Park or whatever with, and eat the cupcake. So again, you'd have to like, okay, then the day of like, okay, get there at nine and oh, there's a horse in a trailer and you know, it's a big to do. Right. But then that's when you'd be like, I can't believe I'm making money. I'm like, just like going down the street in Manhattan, you know, eating a cupcake in a full cowboy outfit on a horse and shit like that. So there was so many, just tons of dumb little one-offs like that, that were just a blast. They were always a blast. I can't, I can't even yeah. think of one that I, I hate, even the gaseous wiener didn't hate because it was repetitive and, and, and your face is out there farting, but like, okay, let's take it for the <laughs> team. What do you, what do you do? It's lucrative. <laughs> yeah. I just watched a very funny bit where you play a British punk who is a born again Christian. Really? I don't remember this at and all. And then do not remember no. this? No. Our producer <laughs> dug it up. And you you beat up Andy Daly, who's a, a friend of the show. Oh as wow. Well. I don't remember that one at all. One of those uh, <laughs> what was great wherever those came from that like <laughs> just an excuse to make characters like our new fall characters or any kind of like, oh, you know, yeah. 
I think I was Booth, J- James Wilkes Booth assassinating you at one point for something, wasn't it? That's right. <laughs> As Lincoln. Yeah. We did a ton of Lincoln stuff. And when once you put a Lincoln out for them, for whatever reason, it was like, yes, that's it. Sweeney's Lincoln. Of course. I know. Like, I know. Just, <laughs> just dialed in. I was a farting hot dog. You got to be Lincoln, at least. <laughs> Although probably harder to get into the getup. The first year we got nominate, uh, nominated for an Emmy for writing, like we all went out to LA and there, we, you know, the, we're behind Conan on the red carpet and every, they have like stands of fans yeah. and everyone's cheering him. And then I, I'm just like walking behind him and someone goes, Lincoln, <laughs> Lincoln. I was like, all right, I'm, I'm a happy man. Oh, the best experience going to those first Emmys was because we had a car. So we all like split a limo and a, different groups right. of people. And I just remember like, oh, this is weird. And pulling up and then just seeing these like probably five photographers running hurriedly by those stands as like the, uh, the doors being opened or I'm opening the door. Yeah. And I was like the first one out of the yeah. limo. And I just saw like <laughs> all these photographers, like with all this zeal in their face come right up. And then once they saw me, they kind of looked in the limo and then they went like, no. And they just went to the, the next Were they just, just like, like, it's writers. Yeah, just like, just, <laughs> just not even, just nobody. Who is it? Nobody. Move on. <laughs> so you're like, I guess I really arrived. And then it was really hot. The red carpet, like red, really like the heat and just waited for like a dumb hot wine in a plastic cup. And it was just so shitty. It was horrible. No one worth wasting digital film on. Yeah. <laughs> Once I worked for the, now they're the creative arts Emmys with Andy. It was right. the greatest job Ooh. I ever had because it was back before it was on it was a, it's still not a big deal, but Andy's like, it was $5,000. It was me and Paul F. Tompkins, Paul F. Tompkins and I. Ah. And he's like, you guys want to work it? I don't know. Come up with some jokes. And then he's like, whatever. So we just wore tuxedos and we're, we're like w- walking around pretending we were like in a Marx Brothers movie and did nothing. <laughs> you and Paul. Yeah, me and Paul. <laughs> and then Andy got uh, this hilarious. incredible like gift basket that was like, that was like loaded with like, oh, I can rent a... Yeah. I got a Cadillac for XTS for a week oh. for free and just all this like I've always wanted one of those gift bags. Yeah, it, it was it was pretty pretty incredible. I should just check the garbage cans outside of the Emmys <laughs> yeah. next time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I wanted to ask about another gig you had after Conan mm-hmm. uh, when you were the creative director. Was that your title at WWE? Well, yeah, WWF at the time. Actually, oh right, you left Conan to go there. Yeah, right? b- oh. back in the day, there was no sort of um, titles really. So, creative director was something uh-huh. that was thrown, but it was like a booker. Now there's writers and backstage producers. I kind of think I was the first. Your title was not the wrestler. No, <laughs> I feel I'm the first TV writer to ruin wrestling. You know that. that it's, <laughs> were you a pioneer in that way? Like it wasn't you- scripted before that. Scripted's weird. There's a whole bunch of lingo, you know. Anyways, but it oh, was right, it was right, it right. was all through Conan because actually back in the day, you know, wrestling was still looked at like as a you know inferior form of entertainment. Say what you will about it, but I used to cast wrestlers in bits. I cast a guy like the Big Show, right. and used to say like, and I used to always say like, you know, you got to have wrestlers on instead of these third-rate sitcom actors for the third guest. Boring, you know. <laughs> At least the wrestler's huge, and you can go wow, and they're you know, generally smarter and squeezes more, yeah, more charming than. So we had like a few successful things, and then Vince McMahon was on, and I got to produce a segment, and I was leaving uh, the the show, and I was going to move out west, and then I. Uh, so I produced the, the segment with Vince and I, I kind of, my brother had wrestled years ago. So at the time I knew a bunch of the lingo oh. as far as like, mm-hmm. you know, you're going over, which means, you know, 
you lose to someone, you know, doing a job, all this kind right. of stuff. So I kind of like just fucked around with him and said, you know what you need to do, Vince, this, that, and the other thing. And he was like, oh, really? And then he actually called me and recruited me. It was amazing. He's like, why don't you come on down to the office? Let's talk. And I was like, oh, wow. my God, this is incredible. <laughs> he coached you. Yeah. And then I went and uh, to his office, and he's like, why don't you want to you consult on a couple shows? I'll give you $1,000 a night. And they had this big book. Oh. Wow. And it was so sexy. This was before uh, 9-11, so he, they could do this like this. But he had this big book, and he's like, pick where you want to go. And I'm like, all right, how about the heart of wrestling, the Carolinas? We'll go to Charlotte and uh, Lexington, Kentucky. All right. And he said, like, cut him a couple first-class airline tickets. And they had they printed airline tickets in his office, his side office. So I left with two <laughs> two checks for $1,000 wow. and two uh, first-class uh, first airline tickets, too. Wow. And I was like, what? they were really seductive. So we went, and I started, like, kind of thrown to the wolves. Like, who's this guy? Because people don't even get to walk in his office on the road. They're like, who's this guy? And so right. I started, like, producing bits and stuff. And then the other, the, there was another guy who was, like, his right-hand man who then left to WCW, if you're familiar with the Monday Night Wars. Jesse and is. then they poached him. And and then I was, like, left, left alone and kind of, I was ready to move to LA. And then I just stopped everything and said, like, Honey, I think I've become one of the most powerful men in professional wrestling. I got to see this out. <laughs> and I worked there for a year and it was just wow, unbelievable. You know, and I still worked on and off after doing like English pay-per-views and things. So, and, and have relationships to this day. It was great. Cause then after that, I went to California where I'd worked on a sitcom and people mm -hmm. like, Oh, you work for wrestling. I'd be like, and I would just be mm -hmm. like, I yearn for the professional honesty and integrity of wrestling over this fucking sitcom <laughs> room, writer's room, bullshit fucking goddamn <laughs> pompous showrunners, right. you know, like saying the same goddamn thing over and over with your seven writing tricks. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. I remember <laughs> that angry stories about, right? Like people visiting sitcoms, writing rooms back 25 years ago and saying, I felt like I was in a, a bank meeting or something, you know, it was just very quiet and hushed. Yeah. I've never experienced that. It's hellish. Yeah. I've, I've especially like a show that's kind of like uh, on the, on the uh, edge, you know, of like, is it successful or not? You know, and so right. it's always like, you're just kind of beaten down. Yeah. Something that's like, you know, something like Caroline in the city. I don't know one on that. I don't, I'm not shitting on that, right. but it was on after friends. So it's like, doesn't matter. You know, it's like, so is yeah. it, you know, we're right, really doing right, good right. work. Are we, does it matter? I don't know. And then just like, the, <laughs> right. but I, right. I know, uh, not from Caroline city, a story from another sitcom. I won't mention it, but like the showrunner was like under such pressure. People were working to 3 a.m. and someone said uh. it's how insular and in the bubble it gets like okay this new character needs a you know a, a love interest a, you know uh this woman like so what should her right. name be and someone said michelle and the showrunner in a fit of angst like hit the table and went like come on get serious <laughs> like, <laughs> like truly like fucked up like we gotta get this done and then like later quit like fucking around yeah quit fucking around <laughs> someone like kendra now we're talking <laughs> like literally i think those were the names like yeah i'm not trying to make anything funny i'm just trying to appease the showrunner so we can go home yeah at three in the morning and i i've written down these like things and this is funny because this never happened at conan because you really that kind of like pressure in that writer's room was always fun and you know it is pressure because you do a good job and there a bits works and you're like ha 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 then like right okay go upstairs <laughs> you know and, what else? and, and right. start you know the, the grind mm -hmm. but i think yeah the fact it's over in a day is absolutely. a big difference versus yeah yeah on a sitcom i, I would write down 
things that people do, like uh, the reiterator, which is someone who just bullies their way in. Like someone, someone sheepish might say, like, "Oh, this might be an interesting thing because these it would cause friction between these two people." And then the reiterator would come in and go, "Like, yeah, you know, it'd be like they, they can't be friends after this." And then they would kind of just take over. And the, then they get the credit. And then some children are like, <laughs> right. right. Yeah. And then the sheepish person would, who's all talented would be like, well, I guess sink <laughs> into the shadows. Just fucking shit like that. Yeah. It really was, though, like leaving Conan going to wrestling, which was his own unique, complete thing. Yeah. But then going out and working on all kinds of other stuff, I really did find like, oh, you don't know how good you have it in in a sense. Right. Yeah. You know, as far right. as that that um, camaraderie that's that's very real that comes out of like just you know, five things a week at least. Right, you know? right. Yeah. The, the wrestling sounds the closest match to kind of like the insanity of the Conan, like it just, the deadlines are fast and mm-hmm. it's thrown together really fast. It is, it's like- And then it's moving on. Yeah, it's breakneck. Were the wrestlers receptive right away to the, like, who's this new guy? Or were they like, oh, thank God you're here. This yeah, did you is have to great. prove yourself? <laughs> Yeah, well, exactly. a little bit of both. It's such a sinister, yeah. potentially duplicitous world. But you're also like, you know, because it's like, oh, it's a new guy. Can I get a push? Well, you know, is this going to help me? Right. It's a very weird mix of like uh, uh, writing for a sitcom, right. being on the road with a rock band, but also like a sports team because there's injuries and also putting people in spots, but also like casting actors. So it's, it's this weird, weird mix. So, you know, I did good because I would just kind of constantly try to help people with their their dialogue or anything funny or produce bits and just kind of like hey let's cut to the chase here let's do this and 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 just you know constantly i think i got a reputation like oh this guy just wants to help everyone he doesn't have his own weird wrestling agenda like right you know because they're yeah. always like you know oh sweeney's the greatest i'm gonna bury sweeney live wait this <laughs> you know i'm gonna go too long and, you know there's so many levels right, of, right, right, of, right. of weird stuff like that but <laughs> say what you will at the time i was there it's five original hours of programming a week in different cities wow so you're you know you're and when a, when there's a pay-per-view wow. that goes on at 6 p.m and it's yeah. 35 million dollars it goes on at 6 p.m but the great thing yeah. is when you have a live there's nothing like oh it's over it's not only you don't have to edit it or anything it's right it's broadcast it's done it's over yeah. you know so it's that strange appeal almost like snl with like less politics of snl too because i worked there as a guest writer for the rock actually that was pretty uh. interesting oh yeah wait did we already oh, talk the, about rock. the rock no <laughs> yeah <laughs> Because we, uh, John Cena came on Conan uh-huh. and said that The Rock used a line that Conan used to throw around the office. Oh, yeah. I stole that, I think. It could have been. We assumed that maybe that was you. Yeah. And I kind of, it, it, it was weird because I said, why don't you pour yourself, I think it was, why don't you pour yourself a glass of shut up juice? Yeah. Was the line. Yeah, yeah. And then the next, I kind of threw it out there. And then I almost like, oh, I kind of stole that from Conan. Oh, well, it just went into the ether then the next week there was some fucking kid who had like a poster board and he had drawn like a glass of juice you know with his like that rudimentary drawing with a perspective and right. it just said shut up juice <laughs> he just was holding it <laughs> just like i'm gonna i'm uh, gonna i'm gonna yeah sixth grader i'm gonna draw a glass of shut up an juice. icon was born <laughs> and then it was a t-shirt yeah. Yeah, so you wrote for the rock for snl yeah i was his guest writer oh, that great. was that was pretty uh Pretty amazing. Wow. Pretty fun experience. I tell you, the, the, the craziest thing was in the, well, actually Lauren Michaels was like, well, you should have a couple of the wrestlers on and they should be hit with chairs and stuff. And I was like this weird liaison. So I was kind of like, whoa, you know, wrestlers take that shit seriously. And that's their storyline. Yeah. And they're not going to do that on SNL. So I was like, <laughs> right, so right. I got Vince 
it was unbelievable. I almost can't believe this happened, but it's true. So I kind of was like liaisoning between Lauren Michaels and Vince. I was saying like, Vince, they wanted to do this. This isn't going to happen. And like, so Vince was in New York and I was kind of like, so I, I wrote the opening thing. Like, is there a way we can get like the wrestlers involved? So I wrote this thing where the wrestlers were in the audience. It was like Triple H and the big show saying like, oh, we're going to fucking beat your ass. But you know what? this day's for you. So after SNL's over, watch out. And in in the meantime, I'll beat up this guy and they just grab a guy of the audience. And then, right. and they had a thing where Big Show was hiding a chair. So it kind of worked out. I was like, okay, that would be the best of yeah. both worlds. But there was a moment before. They didn't have to compromise their integrity. <laughs> so there was a moment before where Vince came in <laughs> and he's like, oh, we're going to go up and meet with Lauren and uh, Sandy Wernick, this huge agent. So, and Vince is like, comes in and he goes, oh, how's Lauren? I hear he's one of these chicken shit producers, huh? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know what that means, Vince. So let's go in there. <laughs> and I remember it was um, St. Patrick's Day and we're in Lauren's office, right? With Sandy Wernick and Lauren's eating and the, the, they bring the food in and Vince goes to me like, oh, that's a little power move eating, huh? You know, and then I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is he just whisper this to you? He whispers it to me, and, 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 and literally yeah. in an aside, and I thought like, oh, that's crazy. But after it was over, I was like, no, I, I bet it's true. Anyways, <laughs> so Lauren's talking, going like, well, I think we need to, if we could involve something or other. And Vince, there's a bunch of stickers of uh, um, clover leaves, just like a, you know, like a weird sticker pack yeah. for some reason, you know, St. Patrick's Day. And Vince puts a clover leaf sticker on his nose and just like leans into like uh, Lauren Michaels. Uh-huh. And Lauren Michaels is like, and he's, oh, and he said, you got to eat now. <laughs> and with a, with a clover leaf sticker on his nose and, and <laughs> Lauren Michaels is eating. That's a power move. And he, yeah. yeah. And he just looks and then he just kind of like, he stops. And there's like, no one's saying anything. And then I started like, Oh, you know, pitch something. I think if what we can do, if we could, I started pitching my idea. And then I realized like to my horror, they're all listening to me. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, Jesus, this is crazy. The guy with the shamrock yeah. on his nose and the guy with food on his lips. Well, I love that. It's because you talked about how when you started at Conan, you felt like you were weirder or there was something that was unique about your comedy. But you found a way to integrate that into the show. That's a nice way of putting it. <laughs> yeah. I was suicidal. No, there's something unique about you. <laughs> you brought a fresh approach to your job. Yeah. No, but you found a way. You were like, I'm into wrestling. I'm going to pitch wrestling bits. And then that also led to a second career for you. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and all the, it all worked because and it really it, it really speaks to like the weird openness of a uh, of, of of the show in a lot of ways and and Conan yeah. like often one of Conan, my favorite yeah. thing to get on wouldn't even be something so it would be something so weird because you know Conan would sometimes be like uh, you guys just want to be all weird huh it's the pressure's incredible I got <laughs> I got I got you know the network breathing on my neck and stuff he'd play that which and you know rightfully right. so but sometimes you get something so weird where his his attitude would be like this all right, got to go on. Like, you wouldn't even really laugh, and you'd be like, well, you like, yeah, it's it's really funny, damn it. Even because it was kind of too weird, but he would just like, no, like, we got to do it. I like it. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been watching some old things where you can tell in his eyes, he's just like, all right, I'm going to read the cue cards yeah. <laughs> as written. I will get us to the commercial, and that's it. Those idiosyncratic things, sometimes they just can tank. I remember, I think I had the record for the 
a couple things that were like greatest rehearsal, shittiest show. Uh, like <laughs> I remember one of those. W- one was uh, Cutio Gigglins, right? And it was like, <laughs> so it was me in, in like a really ridiculous, like idealized version of a, like a kid with a lollipop, like from a Victorian right. era kid with a yeah. hat right. and a ribbon and shit. <laughs> right. and, and so the, it was like, if something, someone were to attack you on the street, what, you know, I would strangle them with a rainbow. I get like weird answers like that. <laughs> right. And just the crew, everyone like, oh, this is the funniest character we've ever seen. And then live just like, it's going to be a movie. <laughs> yep. <laughs> live, just nothing. But it was actually my favorite laugh because it was, there was one woman in way in the back going, <laughs> And then everyone else just nothing. Uh. Just like, <laughs> I think it was edited out of the show. It was that like. like. Oh. <laughs> but that's I mean, there's so much that can go wrong. It's and oh. it, it's not the bit's fault necessarily either. I mean, sometimes it no. is, but no, I, there's it, so many other. You're factors. right. I, I tell people, in fact, like I've personally taken forty percent of the steam out of a bit by just eye searching for the cue card it's just like if, it, if it's like a plane at an <laughs> yeah. altitude and you're just you just eye search for the lines and like yeah eh, you're just like and half a second <laughs> yeah. hesitation uh sketch 40 percent less effective <laughs> just right there like just, <laughs> or conversely or uh, when we do like um uh, william peterson what was the name oldie uh Old, we called him Oldie Olson. Oldie Olson. I couldn't think yeah. of the last name. Yeah. So he was just so amazing to be put into a costume. So we'd put him right. as the erotic vampire or in Thanksgiving. Right. The, and the erotic pilgrim. I would go up and write it in five minutes and be like, okay, we got the set. It's amazing. Oldie's going to come out. We're subtitle him. You can't hear what he's saying. He can right. search for the cue cards. He's got one bad eye. It's just amazing. <laughs> and then you go like, oh, go write it. Oh, shit. Right. Uh and now here's, you know, with our Halloween blood ever, you just like whip it out. Didn't matter. And then, you know, okay, take it down, put it on cue cards, run it. Thing works great. And then some crew guy, who wrote that? And you're like, well, I wrote it, but it's like, thanks to, you know, Bobby Berg and the incredible set and the right. Frankenstein right. outfit, the, the, the right. amazing old man that you want to see. So weirdly anti-charismatic, if you will, or right. whatever, you know, the, the, the thing you wrote was like, just so secondary. Yeah. Right. No, he became like a close, you know, we had to, we'd be there late at night and we always need a closing beat, like the last joke to get out to commercial. And it, it started just coming down to like, uh, what do we do? We need oldie. We need oldie. What do we write for oldie? <laughs> we, we just, cause the second he'd walk yeah. out, the crowd would go yeah. insane for and him. And he was on the edge cause he was so unique. He'd stumble and you're like, he's ready to just drop. In fact, yeah. Do you yeah. One time, cause he had a glass eye. <laughs> he was sleeping in the, um, in, in one of the dressing rooms, you know, and, uh, poor Deb Shaw would be like, oh, sometimes his hygiene and bring lots of powder and do that. But she just dealt with him incredibly. Like, cause it was like they right. put him in so many costumes and one right. time she he had fallen as- war- she was a wardrobe <laughs> yes he had fallen asleep with his mouth open right <laughs> and was like we looked in there like oh <gasps> you know he just looked de- he looked dead walking around so he looked dead sleeping with his mouth open even more so and i remember <laughs> shaw i think went in there and someone said like uh william and then he, almost that he knew that he looked so dead sleeping that he woke right. up like this I'm all right. <laughs> like, like it's happened before. Like he just, he always I'm not like, dead. Oh yeah, not it's dead. Holy Grail. Just my my open mouth dentures and glass eyes. Just eye. my face. <laughs> he he loved doing that show so much, and he was a weird Shakespearean. And he was actor. a good Shakespearean yeah. actor. Like careful I, I with think, that adjective, pal. 
<laughs> with all, but with all the crap we gave him, yeah. I, I in downtimes he'd started launching soliloquies from yeah. Shakespeare just to show that he was an incredible character, and he was in Waterworld. <laughs> well, on that note, we we also we always like to ask our guests if they have a piece of advice for someone who's starting out, like a baby that might be interested <laughs> in having a career like yours. It could be a baby. It could be a someone who's retired from being an accountant and well i guess i guess i would have different advice because it's there's such a glut like even you know even in obviously how how conan has uh, um evolved if you will into all these different things in the team coco which you guys are <laughs> and, and what have you which makes sense because at a point when i was doing a, a talk show for orlando jones and he was a black guy behind a desk. We kind of said at the time, there's seven white guys behind desks in late night. At the, you know, and there was. Mm-hmm. So there certainly is a glut. And it's certainly a different. And I, in my, from my perspective, in the last 10 years, everything's in such flux. Your agents and managers don't know what the fuck is going on. You know, what is streaming? What, what's going up and down? It's always windows of opportunities open and closing. So the, the advice I would give is, I guess an extension of how I got into it too, is start just you know, proliferating your own stuff mm-hmm. somehow, you know, um, uh-huh. whatever it may be, you know, I, I did a cartoon with a guy named Scott Gardner. He used to work at Conan. Yes. And he came Great out writer. of doing videos and doing, you know, so he, there's a lot of, there's a, there's a bigger DIY thing now as far as like, and even yes. uh, how we did our cartoon and stuff. It's like, get yourself a $300 microphone, start editing, right. you know, start doing yeah. your own. Don't wait right. for someone else no. to give you an opportunity. And Scott yeah. was a good example of like how he got, was like, Hey, here's my weird videos you know here's weird yes. videos me here's weird comedy mm-hmm. you know because i think of even when we were producing things graphically and what have you in, in, in just in you know 1998 whatever that stuff can be done by yourself so easily you know and and a lot of that humor a lot of the stuff that uh, that i grabbed onto at conan whether like actual items strange things in, in that, that mindset and, and producing it we go down to kevin franks and hey do this and that do all that shit on your own do just get diy and 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 that way right. you have stuff to mm-hmm. instead of like looking for the job which is so difficult you know or you know and, and yeah. there's tons of people i know even rooms that i run were like People are like, they can be disgruntled to be like, I'm just looking for sitcoms, especially when it used to be like, hello, year 1999, comedian, development deal, right. 90 sitcoms, pilot season, and now like reality TV came and you know what I mean? And right. w- w- how many shows are there? And like, y- you got to just um, do your own stuff and, d- and do it in every direction, I think, you know, real advice. What do you think of that? Real solid advice. It's great advice. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Tommy. You're welcome. Thanks, Tommy. Do you have anything else, Sweeney? No. Uh, well, uh, yeah. Instagram, Curtis the dog with a K. That's my dog's Instagram. Oh. Yeah. Uh, one word, he's Curtis the dog. Dog fluencer. Oh. Yeah. He's the greatest. Um, found him on the street in uh, LA like 14 years ago. So that's the only oh. thing I like to promote is his Instagram. Okay. <laughs> well, anyways, I want to thank you guys for uh, being on or having me on. Thank you. Thank you. And that was Tommy Blacha. Thank you, Thomas. I'm so glad he stopped being a weed dealer. Yes. To be a TV writer. Yes. Although he might have made more money on the weed. Uh, And better residuals. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Whatever that means. We have a voicemail question from a listener. Wow. Take it away, Sean. 
Hi, Jesse and Mike. Um, huge fan of the podcast and, of course, uh, all the Conan O'Brien shows, podcasts. And he gets enough attention, though, so enough about him. Um, although I say that, and my question is, has there ever been a particular prank that was pulled on Conan that he didn't have any foresight on and that really got him? And was he mad? Did he find the humor in it? Was he mad? And then he found humor in it. I, I just, I really loved hearing Brian's story about pranking seemingly everyone on the show. And I was just curious if there's ever been something like that planned specifically for Conan. Thanks so much. Bye. Thank you. Anonymous voice. What a lovely, lovely voicemail. That was really nice. Yes. I miss voicemails. No one ever leaves me voicemails anymore. Oh, no. Oh, I get one, but it, but it's in a foreign language. Or yeah. it's about the warranty. Or ask me to update my warranty. The warranty is yeah. about to run out of my car, <laughs> which doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. Pranks. That's a great question. It is a good question. We always would talk about pranking Conan by like bringing an elaborate sketch down to rehearsal. Right. That was just for him. But then it always was a lot more work to put that together than we had right. time for. <laughs> but it was always fun to talk about it. It was It was fun to talk about it. It was yeah. putting on an entire fake sketch in rehearsal that would outrage him. Yes. And then somehow revealing right. that it was all a prank. I mean, we could have just said at the end of some sketchy hated that that was a prank. Right. I should have thought Another of that. prank that we never did. It's not really a prank, but it was What is a prank? What is a prank? <laughs> There was an old idea to have the writers all wear like the same color jumpsuits, <laughs> like blue jumpsuits. Like Squid Game? <laughs> it's not much of a prank. I did think of one thing, though. Do you remember, and I, I believe Conan's talked about this a little bit, but when David Letterman sent him a horse? Yes. That was a prank. That was a straight yeah. up prank by David Letterman on Conan. <laughs> and yeah, I, Conan's talked about it on... Um, on, I, I think he talked about it on Colbert, and then there was a little back and forth over the horse. Custody of the horse, yeah. All that stuff. Well, yeah. I mean, I remember being there that day, and it was like, oh, there's, you know, David Letterman sent a gift, because I think Conan had written a really nice piece about Letterman leaving right. the air. Letterman was uh, stepping away from the, the late show on CBS. Yeah. So I just remember us all going outside to see what yeah. Letterman had sent. And it was a little trailer and they led like a really small horse out of the trailer. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, Conan was... Dumbfounded. He was dumbfounded. I think he was trying to think like, wait, is this referencing yeah, exactly. something or... You know, like, is what's is there a joke behind the fact that a live horse has been deposited? No, no, no. Just that was the joke, that there was no reference. Yeah. He just said, here's, thanks for the great article you wrote. Here's a, a horse named Dave. <laughs> and there was a real cowboy there who said he drove it mm -hmm. all the way down from Nevada. Oh, wow. We, it was in the parking lot right outside our studio. Yeah. Well, then it kind of started to dawn on him, like, what, well, now what do I do with this horse? I have to keep keep a horse alive. He had a horse. Yeah, that was the first order of business. Well, I'd heard that he, yeah, he, he found a stable and right. paid for the horse's room and board. Right. For someone to exercise the horse. Well, the rumor I heard, I think right away, it was kind of like, hey, this is hilarious. But then grabbing the cowboy and saying, okay, 
get this horse out of here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the cowboy was just like, oh, no, this is, I nope, can't. I have orders. Right. And then there was a rumor, I don't know if they, from somewhere, that the cowboy, that the, not the cowboy, that the horse was insane. <laughs> it was a horse that no one wanted or could take care oh. of. And so I think the, the rancher was like, oh, no. You, yeah, it's this or the glue. I am factory. not driving another mile with this insane <laughs> animal in the, behind my my truck. <laughs> There's just hoof right, marks. Right. It punched through the side. Yeah, well, and then I remember hearing that Letterman was like, "Oh, you didn't have to keep the horse. Right. What, why did you keep it?" Right. Yeah, and Conan like, is, was like, what else was I supposed to do? Well, there's it? horse recycling in L.A. on <laughs> Thursdays. If oh, yeah, you put the, it the out, orange right, bins. Right, yeah. The orange bin. <laughs> and then I, I know Conan did a, a video where that I shot with him where he returns the horse to Letterman. Like he puts a UPS oh, sticker yeah. on it and we <laughs> see it walk up in a UPS truck. And yeah. That was Conan's like response. Yeah, I think that's when Lennon was like... <laughs> Still in that truck. It was like, uh, you know... <laughs> Get rid of it. That could be medicine for, you know, Joe Rogan. <laughs> I, we should find out if the horse is still alive. and if he, We should have the horse on the podcast. Yes, of course. <laughs> One of our best guests. Uh, well, we, we would also occasionally prank each other in the writer's room. Right. Todd made that... Todd Levin. He made a great fashion blog about... Our head writer, Matt O'Brien. Yes. Being a, cl a clothes horse. Right. Because he, he'd wear <laughs> Which is, kind of plaid plaid shirts to work every day. Kind of lumberjacky shirts, right? Yeah. So so just a similar lumberjack shirt and a pair of jeans. And then he made a fashion blog about this. Right. I mean, I, <laughs> I made that calendar for you. Oh, yes. I love that calendar. When I realized I had 12 photos of you wearing the same shirt. The same polo shirt. Or versions of the same. You have like six of them in different colors. Yeah, I've got more than six. I don't want to brag. <laughs> okay. And some of them don't even have stains no, on them. I haven't worn them in two years. You have like a business polo. I think I stopped wearing and them. And a black tie polo. I stopped wearing them when you gave me the calendar. Oh, no. I made you self-conscious. That's okay. <laughs> That's, it's good. It's good to move on. Now you can make a new calendar of my V-neck t-shirts. <laughs> my Simon Cowell look. Oh, this is really, yeah. I honestly don't remember the details of this, so it might not even be worth it. Yeah. But on my first day of work on the show, Michael Gordon, one of the other writers, yeah. told me to tell you that I was friends with somebody. Yes. That you guys had in common. Oh, wait, that wasn't true? No. <laughs> I don't even remember the name of the person he told me to tell you. I do. And... What a great prank, because... <laughs> oh, my God, that prank is just now being fully realized? Yes. Seriously. He was playing the the long game. Wow. That's awesome. That is a seven-year prank. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I really... Oh, that's incredible. I watched what I said about that person in front of you, and and I was also kind of oh like... Oh, my God. I, I was a little... Disappointed? I know. I, I was like, <laughs> damn, I... I thought she was great. Well, now I want to know who it was because I don't remember at I, all. I'll tell you off the air. Oh, man. That's okay. So he told me to tell you I Are was you friends serious? with someone who. Oh, yes. my God. That's a great prank. Oh, Gordo and I played a great prank on each other for years. Yes. There was some fan draw drawing of 
Max Weinberg that was really weird and disturbing. And somehow... Oh, yeah, I kind of remember this. Somehow it became a thing where we'd leave it for each other. Oh, yeah. Uh, in different places. And it was kind of like tag your it, like you'd be stuck mm-hmm. with the drawing. And then you had to figure... And, and this was a long game where sometimes like two years would go by before you'd drop it off on the other person. Oh, that's great. So who has it now? I might have it. <gasps> but I remember once I sent it to him in an envelope from a law firm. Like, I think he was dealing with a law firm <gasps> over something. Oh, no. And I found out the name of the law firm, so I knew he'd open oh, it right wow. away. I, I even wrote a fake legal letter and I put it behind the legal <laughs> letter. I think that was one after I had it for like a year and a half and then I... And then another time he wore one of the, our giant costumes in Chicago, like the Sears tower. And Uh I, I, and you know, there's a little face area where you look out. So I, I slid it up in the costume so that it was covering his eye slot. Oh, So when they put him in it right before he had to go out on stage, he had Max looking him right in the, Uh like two inches from his face. Oh, this is so good. But he got me back in a lot of great ways. He somehow someone got it into my luggage on a <laughs> on a trip. So I opened a suitcase and it was there. <laughs> yes. He paid a TSA. Yes. <laughs> and then one time we were coming back from like the Emmy Awards or something. And I found out ahead of time which car. There was a car service picking him up. And I found the driver and I, oh, I had no. it in the put in the window <laughs> of the back seat for when he got in the oh, car. Oh, this is so great. There were a few more, I think. Oh, man. Yeah. Ah, uh, That's going to be on the inside of your coffin. God damn it, Gordo, you win! <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, thanks for that voicemail. And anyone else who wants to leave one, the number... And we're not going to answer, so don't worry. It's 323-209-5303. Or you can email us at insideconanpod at gmail.com. And yeah, we're always looking for more questions. We are. Oh, but hey, so we have another little piece of business. Uh, We are not very good podcast hosts, in case that wasn't already abundantly clear. Here's another (laughs) one of our crimes. We never ask for ratings. And reviews. Yeah. And we're supposed to be doing that. And most that. people do that every episode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we thought we'd go a different direction, but now we're being told. We've, we have a thousand ratings and we'd love to get that number up. To a thousand and eight. To a thousand and eight. So if you are enjoying this season so far of Inside Only Conan, if you're enjoying important, it. Only if you're enjoying it. Yeah. I mean, if you are still listening at this point, I'm assuming <laughs> you're enjoying it or... You're trapped under something heavy. In which case, we'll we'll send help. Just go to iTunes, click five stars, and then write help and your address, and we'll send somebody there. Thank you. Thank you. And we'll see you next week. And? We, we like you. Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast, is hosted by Mike Sweeney and me, Jesse Gaskell. Produced by Sean Doherty. Our production coordinator is Lisa Byrne. Executive produced by Joanna Solotaroff, Adam Sachs, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco. Engineered and mixed by Will Beckton. Our talent bookers are Gina Batista and Paula Davis. 
Thanks to Jimmy Vivino for our theme music and interstitials. You can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. And of course, please subscribe and tell a friend to listen to Inside Conan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or whatever platform you like best. It's the Conan Show. Put on your hat. It's the Conan Show. Try on some spats. You're gonna have a laugh. Give birth to a calf. It's Conan. This has been a Team Coco production. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.